Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Before that, what do you think about the idea of a school where the children get to pick what they learn? Day to day, no rules, there's no homework and there's actually nobody in charge. There's no principal as such. There's quite a number of the, these schools right across the country, uh, many in Kildare, Sligo, Cork and Kilkenny, for instance. So how do you decide what is actually, well, what to teach and how do you control the classroom? Um, Kira is a staff member at the Wicklow Democratic School and she's with us here in the programme today. Um, I've introduced you, Kira as a staff member because you might just correct me if I'm wrong, but... There's no sort of hierarchy here, is there? Or there's there's no principle. Hi, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, there's no principle. Uh, the staff and the students run the school together. Uh, so how does that work? To say there's, there's no rules, though. Okay. <laughs> there's plenty of rules, but they're they're chosen by the children and the staff together. Okay, go back to the first point. How do the teachers yeah. and the students? And th- these are primary school kids, aren't they? That we're talking about is primary school. No, no, full, full, both age, both primary and secondary school age. Our student uh, body currently is seven to seventeen. Okay, so this is right across. So, so how do you both yeah. run the school? Um, well, there's twice a week. There's a school meeting, which is where all the decisions are made. Anybody can write a school a proposal for it, and everybody gets to vote on it. Um, and then, in terms of choosing what to learn, that's up to the individual students and they work with uh, staff to figure out if they want like a timetable for themselves or if they just want to get on and do it themselves uh, independently or do things in classes and groups together. So there's there's no day where you come in you know and on a Monday morning when the class starts at half nine we start with maths for 45 minutes and then we'll do Irish no. and none of that. No we well we do have a timetable um that is co-created at the start of each term. People basically vote on what the classes they want to have on the timetable. Um, and, you know, or they can offer to teach a class, whether it's a student or a staff member or a, a parent. We've lots of parents who come in. Um, but there, So there is a timetable, but there's no one who does everything on the timetable and there's some who do nothing on the timetable. And there's, there's lots who do something on the timetable. They all do something across the week, you know, the majority of them. So do you follow a curriculum or the school curriculum, we'll say, as, you know, we'd know it? No, no, we don't. Um, The children basically design their own curriculum. Uh, They tend to focus on anywhere between one and three uh, topics or subjects or areas of interest and dive deep into that. Um, Yeah. Do the kids set the leave insert? Um, I mean... The option is there to do it if they want. Um, We don't facilitate it as in hold it in the school and sort of work through the curriculum with students. If somebody wants to do it, they're studying independently. Uh, In our experience, some older students who join the school want to come in with the idea they want to do it, but then by the time they're graduating, they're they're not doing it. They're choosing to to go a different path. Um, All of our graduates so far have gone on to... Most of them, I think, with one exception, have gone on to um, do a PLC course uh, in one of the colleges of further education. And some have, from there, gone on to third level. Okay. How long is the school in existence, Kira? Uh, We opened in 2016. Okay, so you've had a full cycle then, so of students that have come from from start to finish. Yes. Well, uh, not from, so, you know, not from, like, 
from the year we opened, so for example, one of my sons uh, graduated in June. He would have been going into first year the year we opened. So Three, he had yeah. his full. He's done the second level cycle. part of it yeah, effectively. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, but so yeah. So, so you don't typically do the leave insert unless somebody wants to do it. But how yeah. how do you cover the curriculum then for them? I mean, if if a student decides that you know maybe two or three years into this, actually I've changed my mind now. I I do want to go to you know Galway or UCD and yeah. study X Y Z. Yeah, well, they can go to Galway or UCD without doing the leave insert. So, um, but so so far as I said, nobody has chosen to sit the leave insert. They if they're doing it, if they want to do it they will do it independently with support from the staff, obviously, in terms of getting resources um, and uh, would then fit it in, a, in an exam centre somewhere local. But as I said, no one has actually done that yet. I think the reality of um, having the choice to not study six or seven or eight subjects compared to doing those two or three things that they're really genuinely passionately interested in and, and have a curiosity and a drive to, to learn about um, they will usually pick the latter So what are the kind of typical we'll say three subjects that most look to do? Oh it, there isn't a typical it's different for everyone um, you have some who are interested in the sciences and or languages um, uh, often the subjects might be things that are not offered in the mainstream school or certainly not to the degree they want to do it each child who has uh, graduated, um, they've all gone on to do very diverse, different things. And uh, some of them might even struggle to say what subjects, and I used to say that in inverted commas, they actually studied in, in school. Um, the learning is much broader and it's really, I suppose, re-imagining um, or redefining what learning is. I was going to say it sounds somewhat similar to the A-levels. I mean, I think the A-levels is, is a great system and I think it's a pity it isn't more widely offered here because it's, in terms of a school um, exam system that suits the majority or mm. suits a, a, the bigger common denominator of students, I think something like that would make a lot more sense. There is always the, the ones who can manage the, the, the bigger number of subjects. But I think for to get a quality um learning experience in certain subjects I think three subjects is is um, is a realistic okay. and fair number of subjects yeah. to expect anybody but, to but, do yeah but 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 I suppose because some of the texts will say for instance now that are coming in Kira from people interested in, in in this are talking about like so how do students get into university if they want to without doing the leave insert your point is that for most of the students that have graduated to date they continue on to a PLC program. And then they might decide if they and, want and to. Then, yes, exactly. Yeah, because you get points for like the leaving cert is a level five exam, um, the same as a one year in PLC, and you get points for that, which you can use on the the uh, CAO. Mm. So that's what our our graduates have done. Okay, I'd love to chat to people today who, um, well, if they've kids, students that are that are in, um, for instance, the Wicklow Democratic School or or, or other schools as well. Eighteen hundred four five three one zero six is the number. Actually, um, Kira, are you state funded? No, we're not. We don't get the, we're self funded. Uh, in other words, we have to charge fees. So it's a private uh, which school. Is not very, not very democratic, and not what we want to do. But it was, it's the, it was the only way thing we could do to get ourselves up and running. Uh, our dream is eventually to not have to charge the, the fees we're charging because none of the 
parents who started this school were fee paying um, families. Uh, we all went to, all our kids were going to, you know, mainstream traditional schools mm. that were not fee paying. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's our constant challenge, the, the funding part, um, because we're not, we don't get any support or funding at all from anywhere. Yeah. Other than but, the but it's a private school then, basically, if the parents are paying fees. I mean, they're paying our wages, they're paying for the resources. So, yeah. I mean, you could, yes, but we prefer to say we're self-funded because it's a more truthful um, sort of, uh, I suppose, yeah, it's it's just a more honest kind of a description of who we are. We're not a private school where you've got all these amazing resources. Uh, we'd love to, and someday we will, but for now, this is, this is what we're the only way we can fund ourselves is from the parents. Uh, Dorothy um, is with us on the line, Kira. Dorothy, you are the parent of ch- two children who um, uh, who went to a self-directed learning. Or can I? Can you call it an alternative school? Uh, yes, yes, we we'll definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's very different from mainstream. Yeah. The, the life of children is uh, it's, it's much freer. Like it's far less regimented. Um, so yeah. Why did you decide to send your two kids, or did they want to go? Um, well, what what we did, um, we we have four children, uh, and two of them are currently in the school, and another one went also, uh, and we offered them the choice: like, do they want to stay in the in the mainstream schooling, or do they want to go to the to the Wicklow Democratic School? And and they chose to go. Um, and I think the the main reason was that they were not happy in school. Uh, they were not thriving. Um, yeah, it was challenging. Um, not necessarily academically, but the mm. the day to day life. The, yeah, the constraint, the the noise, the being being with a lot of people and having and being told uh, all the time what to do. Uh, I think they were a bit uh, independent minded. <laughs> So, so yeah, it it suited, it suited them very well. Yeah, how did they respond to it, Dorothy? Like, did did they enjoy it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 I mean, the summer is <laughs> is a difficult time because there's no school, so they are very happy to go every morning. Uh, it's um, even weekends sometimes they they would uh, they they could go seven days a week. Like right. they're very happy in there. Yeah. 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 And like typically, can you tell me, because I, I know that Kira d- didn't necessarily want to describe it as, you know, subjects as such, you know, as as we would know it typically from kind of the mainstream curric- um, the mainstream cu- curriculum. But can you tell us maybe about some of the type of topics or learnings that, that your children um, would have undertaken? Um, well, well they, they, they do, they did traditional topics like uh, English, math. Uh, you know, experimental sciences, um, things like that. Um, there is also, I, I would say, it, it's really a school of life. So you you learn a lot of social skills. Uh, and I know, you know, it's not a traditional topic, but it's very, very useful in life. So, you know, how to make decisions, how to make decisions collectively, how to solve your conflicts, how to interact with others in a way, again, that is not controlled by adults. So I mean, adults are there to to make it safe. Um, so um, so a bit of everything. Okay. Really. Yeah. H- have your yeah. two children finished um, school now um, at this stage? 
one is 10, so he has um, a few more years, and the other one is 17, and he, he will graduate uh, at the end of the year, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And has he, uh, does he have any you know, kind of plans or anything in mind that he, he might like to do afterwards or go into the workforce? Um, yes, well, he's, he's very good in math and science, so he wants to to study uh, in that area probably. So for, for the moment, his plan is to do a PLC, a pre-science course, um, and then from there to mm. go to university. Okay. But, you know, that, that's still a bit open. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gail is a staff member at um, Sligo Sudbury School. Uh, Gail, thanks for, for joining us on the programme today. C- explain how the school is different to what we consider as, well, if you want to say kind of the normal or the mainstream schools as we know them. Yeah, hi, Andrea. How are you? Um, yeah, I think that the, as Kira and Dorothy have both referred to there, the fundamental difference really is 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 the choice that children have and also the voice that they have too. I think they're two really key words. And it's a real expansion of what the concept of education is, um, these, this model or these schools. So I suppose rather than thinking of education as, uh, information or subject matter that we need to uh, fill our young people's minds with uh, between the age of five and 18. This system is much more about helping to support them, find them, find out kind of who they are as a person and what their personal journey might be. Um, so it's a much broader concept of education. Um, so fundamentally, the, the under, underpinning principles are very, very different to maybe what we're used to seeing in mainstream schools. But how um, does a five-year-old or a six-year-old Gail know what they want to do every day? With great confidence, actually. <laughs> uh, five and six-year-olds are, are, are very capable, just as as, uh, as older children and adults are, of telling you what it is they like to, like to do. No, but I, I like assume if you present, though, you know, a five or a six-year-old with... Um, do you want to do Irish, English, maths, colour, you know, what I don't know, like four or five other different options. Like, I know that when I think back to my time in school, I would never have gone for any of the mainstream topics. I wouldn't want to do any of it. Well, one of the really key features of these schools is play and learning through play. And it's widely researched, widely documented how important play is for young people and um, especially children of that age. And actually at the preschool level were very good and very responsive to um, to children of that age and kind of allowing them plenty of time to play because that's really, really how they internalise most of their learning and it's the most effective way for them to learn. Um, and we have this concept then all of a sudden at, at the age of five that that needs to switch off for some reason or those children actually need to be told now and directed by adults and told what is more important for them to learn. So it's a real shifting of that kind of concept um, that actually that we, we continue to trust that the children, their curiosity is going to lead them where they need to go. And actually as mammals, human humans were, 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 were uh, hardwired to learn in that way, were hardwired, were curious, were playful. That's how we learn and that's okay. how we've learned for, you know, all through evolution um, without the assistance of structured timetables and curriculum. Um, Gail, how many roughly students do you have at the school? Just to give us an indication. I'm trying to get a sense of, I 80. suppose, how popular. Yeah. 80? Yeah, we've been in around 80 at the 80. moment. Yeah. And how many of you get um, Kira as well in Wicklow? Pardon? So a good bit, a good bit. We've thirty-five, so a good bit smaller than Sligo. Thirty-five. Okay. So what's the typical class size? <laughs> so there are no uh, classes. Well, Sorry, you go, Kira. No, go ahead, uh, Gail. It's grand. 
I mean, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, um, it's a really different picture. It looks very different to normal. So it's uh, another key feature is mixed aging. So all the children mix um, from we have four year olds up to 18 year olds here at the moment. Um, there's no set classes. They will group together at certain times for lessons or for structured activities. And then those groups will disband again as they go off and play with different age groups or, or, or engage with different activities with different people. Okay. So there's no set class. You're not in a class when you come into a school like this. You're part of uh, the whole community together. So the story, I mean, because as you described that initially, I was thinking, Kira, it sounds similar to when I think back of kind of the two teacher school that you might have in, in rural Ireland, yeah. where you could have, you know, essentially yeah. what would be two or three different age groups all together. Yeah, no, no, it's like, if you imagine like a big house with a big family and everybody's just interacting and, you know, like Gail said, they'll they'll come together for a designated class Mm. or structured activity, but... You know, okay. other than that, they're free to come and go. Do, yeah. M- uh, Mia's with us on the line as well, because Mia, you have a child at um, the Sudbury School in Sligo. Why did you choose an alternative school? That's right. Hi, Andrea. How are yeah, you? Um, our, our little man is eight and he's been in school since he was four. And he's just um, thriving. The reason we decided was because as an academic myself, I actually really wanted him to um, experience a different form of. Um, education and we had started off in a woodland kindergarten school and he just enjoyed that outside experience so much that I couldn't let myself kind of put him into the confines of four walls, sit behind desks for so many hours a day and when Sudbury came along we were absolutely delighted to have that option. Um, in terms of discipline, like uh, I, I don't mean it in, in such a sort of a, a, a bold way but is it ha- like... How do you kind of have that level? There, there are, you know, some level, I suppose, of authority, Mia, between, you know, we're just keeping kind of a level of rules and regulations with students and teachers. Or how, how do you control, you know, if, there's, if there is bad behaviour or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, obviously bad behaviour is a concept in terms of, like, when we're in a mainstream situation, if we are or are not adhering to, you know, what we're, what is considered as being good and sitting down and being um, compliant but when you give children the opportunity to have um, self-agency I suppose they actually are incredible at being able to first of all um, regulate themselves but also within a group setting so if it doesn't if I suppose we're naturally inclined to want to be accepted by our tribe as such and if you know our behaviours aren't acceptable within that tribe in inverted commas then you know we're going to be ostracised so there is an element of community, um, um, you know, and the desire to adhere to the unwritten rules of that community. So if our child um, is within a group of people and their behaviour isn't really acceptable, their peers uh, are going to kind of let them know that that's not acceptable. So in a way, they regulate themselves. Right. I have an interesting text here from a listener, um, Gail, and I, I don't know what your response to this is, but this texter says, this is a really interesting conversation. I'd never thought of uh, school schools like this before. It's a nice idea, but I don't know how the practicalities of it would work. For instance, my child could decide, if my, if my child could decide what they wanted to do all day in school, he'd simply just want to play Spider-Man for the entire day. Yeah. And that's fine, <laughs> basically, is my, my basic response to that. So I suppose we have this concept that, uh, with, yeah, we're so used to now 
in over the last 150, 200 years because of schooling, which is, is quite a recent phenomena just in the, in the concept of human development over time. But we are, the last few generations were so used to um, putting you know, children into kind of a, a setting where they're being told what to do by adults that we don't necessarily um, trust that uh, they're actually capable of, of directing their own learning and knowing what they, what they need. But they, they really, really are. They're very competent. And if, if, if a child is playing Spider-Man all day, well, firstly, we never see that happen. So we have children here who are free to do whatever they want mm. to do all day. Some of them might play Spider-Man for a couple of hours. They'll play Lego. They, it's a very social setting. So they're inspired by their peers and they're kind of drawn into different games um, and different activities that way as well. And they're also kind of inspired by the okay. other adults that are here. So they're not, while it's self-directed, you know, a better term might be kind of community supported self-directed there's it's a very kind of um diverse environment to be in and if a child was sitting playing or not sitting but just engaged in an activity for prolonged periods Mm. of time we look at that and respect it and say well they're obviously getting something out of that that's what they need to be doing right now at this time and people don't you know as you know as i said before we're we're driven to develop and to be successful and to uh, to evolve and to grow. So we do what we need to do in, in the yeah. face of life. I have to say to it's very, very interesting. Um, Gail Nagel, who's a staff member at the Sligo Sudbury School, Kira Brehney um, from the Wicklow Democratic School and Dorothy and Mia, thank you for getting in touch with us, for joining us here on the programme today. I'm just interested in people's views um, on the idea of self-directed learning and just, I mean, why, what's, what's the benefits? Tell us, 5 through 106 at a cost of 30 cent. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.